Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to another episode of The Owl's Nest. As always, I'm your host, Robbie Landis, joined by Jake Lyon. Jake, how's it going, man? Good, good. I'm excited for this week's show. Yeah, we got an interesting show. We're doing something new here, but before we jump into that, I want to encourage anyone who's watching, if you like the show, make sure that you are subscribing to the channel. Turn on the little bell notification so that uh, you can be alerted anytime that a new show pops up here, whether it's us or any of the other wealth of content that we do here at Checkpoint XP. So, first thing we're going to jump into here is uh, we've decided to actually reach out to you guys, the fans of our shows, the Overwatch fans, and see what maybe you want us to talk about. So this first segment we're doing here today is going to be a fan Q&A. On Twitter, we put out the call for anyone who has any questions that they have, you know, anything that they want our particular opinions on to let us know what you'd like us to answer. And uh, you guys came out in full force. We got a bunch of great questions here. And just going by the amount of uh, feedback that we got or the questions that we got here, this is probably going to be a reoccurring segment on the show. So uh, to start us off, Volkai says... I fell off uh, Overwatch halfway through the first season of OWL and never played more than casually. Should I even bother trying to get current with the meta and the updated gameplay? And the short answer to that is yes, absolutely. There's never a bad time to get into Overwatch. But for the longer answer, why don't we throw it over to Jake since uh, that's his specialty. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think this is a great question because probably a lot of people find themselves in this situation. Um, I think probably... The first thing I would say is just that, like, a lot of the new heroes that have been added in Overwatch are, like, amazingly cool and um, more interesting and, and deep than the characters that were existing at launch or, or at that time that you're saying you, you stopped playing. Um, so those new heroes like Doomfist and Hammond and Echo um, have all, like, really shaken up the game, and I think they're all super fun and, and interesting to play. So um, in, my, in my mind, those, those heroes alone are, like, worth trying out. Um, the biggest thing is just, you know, accept that you'll probably have fallen behind. So don't don't think, oh, I need to be at this certain skill level. Like, just play for fun. And if you enjoy it, you get back into it, then then you can get back into the grind easily. But as, if, as long as you don't have high expectations of yourself, you can let yourself, you know, if you take a lot of time off a game, you're never going to be at your same skill level until you put the practice in again. All right, Sanders uh, asking, do you, guys, do you guys have any idea how homestands and tournaments work next year? Um, you know, Jake, you had actually brought up something that I hadn't even really thought about when it came to the way that they had decided to do sort of the regular season stuff with the addition of homestands. You know, when it comes to tournament formats, you have no idea necessarily who's going to end up in the finals, and it's hard to decide if, you know, how homestands fit into that when you have, you know, different teams traveling to different cities all of the time, and, um... I don't know, and honestly, I don't even know that the the Overwatch League at this point knows how, you know, at this point to to put the tournament settings into the homestands, but I do think that next year, you know, once we get out of the COVID uh, situation here, that homestands have obviously, you know, were extremely successful, and tournaments, as we've seen now, are also extremely successful. So, you know, Jake, what do you think the the strengths of trying to pursue both homestands and tournaments are going to be? Well, first, I have to say that I'm speaking as just like a fan of the Overwatch League, and I don't really um, like. It's not my decision. I'm not. I'm not even in those conversations of like the organizational structure of the league. That's above my pay grade, frankly. Um, but in my mind, I, I agree. Tournaments have been really successful. Um, maybe there's a middle ground where you do both. Like there's some online play, some home stands. Um, I don't know if they'll even. Uh, uh, I mean, I guess there's also a question mark of of COVID nineteen and, and quarantine stuff like. You probably assume that we won't be in full quarantine by then, but who knows? Maybe there will be some lingering um, restrictions. Like, 
the type of event that a homestand is, is like the very last sort of event that's going to start happening again, right? Like a lot of people together in one place for an entertainment event. Like that is like the last thing that will be opened up um, as far as, you know, mitigating the impacts of, of COVID-19. So if we're there yet, like, which I, I mean, I think we'll be, but like I'm so far from actually knowing anything about that situation and, and, and actually being able to make good predictions uh, I'm just like everyone else, just like, let's see what happens because it's, you know, experts decide that, not, not me, certainly. Right. Well, so, and, um, and, and I mean, even hopefully Blizzard, we see both. Yeah, well, and even Blizzard is still, you know, reacting to the, the, the threat of the COVID-19. Uh, BlizzCon was just recently canceled, canceled, which isn't until November, which is still a few months off. So it very well could end up stretching into the next season. You know, Stephanie asks a similar question, asking, what do you think the future of the league is for the upcoming seasons? Do you think we'll return to having homestands again once everything is somewhat normal? And the tournament format will continue. And I think that if we look to the sister league of the Overwatch League, the Call of Duty League, uh, the way that they do their sort of uh, you know small tournaments here and there where everyone shows up to one hometown to be able to play through it, is definitely an interesting way in, some, in, in a direction that the Overwatch League could go. But with the way that they're doing tournaments now, with both the May Melee and now the upcoming uh, Summer Showdown, which we'll get to a little bit later in the show, I think that being able to do homestands for the first three weeks of the seeding is definitely something that could still go forward. And then maybe, you know, if they reopen something like the, the Burbank Studio, having sort of a central location where for the tournament everyone comes back to could also be a way for them forward as well. Yeah, you know, like, it's, it's pretty easy to imagine, like, because I think COD has been pretty successful with those tournaments. Pretty easy to imagine something similar being implemented in Overwatch League. Um, I don't know exactly what the logistics of it would be, but um, to me, it's like if you're the team that gets to be the homestand for the tournament, that's like an even bigger win than just being a regular homestand. That's like even more cool. So um, I like the idea of continuing the tournament format. I think it's so important to have those goals to strive for in the middle of the season, like beyond just getting a better win rate, getting more map wins, like grinding your way towards playoffs. That's such a long-term goal that I think it's good to have those medium-term moments to get excited and, and to see uh, how teams are currently faring in a playoff environment. Like, I, I just think those are really exciting and, and really entertaining. So um, hopefully we'll still hopefully we'll still be able to do that. I'll still be able to see more of that because I think that's been, a of this season, probably been the biggest win of the whole season has been the tournament format. So I have to imagine, like, in some way, it'll be back. It probably will look different, just like the whole world is going to look different mm -hmm. after quarantine is over and, you know, we're kind of transitioning back to a new normal. Then, um, you know, who knows exactly what that'll be like. But, I, you know, I agree with the theme of these questions that, like, I hope it still exists because I, I think it's been super fun to cast the tournaments and watch them as a fan. Well, I mean, and it gives a lot of the, you know, the lower-seeded teams, the lower-ranked teams uh, a chance to make up as well. I mean, even the fans get behind that. You know, during the May Melee, I even saw Boston fans starting to get hyped. I mean, it didn't last long, but, you know, give the, you know they'll take what they can get. Uh, yeah. L, <laughs> L Law here says, do Overwatch League players only scrim, or do you train some things separately in other ways? If yes, what things do you train and how? Oh, this is a great question. I really like this question. Um... The first thing I would say about other things to train is you just ranked, like the way everyone plays Overwatch, playing each Q ranked, um, because that's a great way to like play Overwatch, practice your role. Yes, it's going to be more chaotic because you don't have like organized teams and there's a lot of randomness in ranked, but at the same time, it's still the best way to practice outside of scrims, outside of matches, is just playing ranked. Um, aside from that, there are a lot of like training, like true training things that you can do. Um, one example is like probably I think a ton of Overwatch League players 
if not everybody, maybe maybe just DPS players, actually. I don't know about tank and support, but for sure DPS players play a lot of like FFA DM in the custom servers, where you like ban certain heroes like Brig and Roadhog that kind of screw up the FFA style, but you know, Reinhardt and the things that just don't really make sense in an FFA environment. But um, for, for practicing DPS and even a lot of the more active supports, I think those are really, really great things to do. Play Deathmatch, play like Widowmaker, Headshots Only. Um, those those like training modes kind of are, are a really great way to like warm up, just grind your skills on, on aiming on a certain hero, fighting in, in, you know, 1v1 skirmishes and with a few random players around. It's like just good practice. And then if you go even deeper than that, a lot of players do also practice against bots. Um, for something like Tracer, there's a very mechanical level to just being able to blink, turn around, and pulse bomb like all at once to get that 180 stick or 90 degree sticks and stuff. So a lot of, especially Tracer players, probably Genji is a similar one where you can practice your, your dash combos um, on, on just bots, like bots with a lot of HP and you make the pulse bomb charge really fast. Um, those are a great way to actually practice those heroes and, and to just grind it out. You know, you play for 15, 20 minutes, just sticking bots constantly, blinking around, you know, pulse bombing bots uh, actually will help you a lot in terms of just just really getting your muscle memory uh, uh, as precise as it can be. Jacob asking, uh, since you just spoke a little bit of Genji there, he goes, how will the recent buffs and nerfs affect team comps? Will Genji see any play? And I think he's uh, specifically talking about the, what we're currently seeing on the experimental card. Mm, yeah, I mean, I think those are pretty exciting buffs to Genji. They they change some crucial thresholds um, on the way Genji can, can burst down kills. For example, if you hit the triple headshot melee, that is a one-shot now on supports or on 200 HP heroes, so... Um, that's a pretty big deal compared to doing like 180 or whatever it did before, um, which was nice, but then you have to dash or you have to somehow finish it off. And it's a big difference in Overwatch, being able to finish something on your own or, or needing help. Um, so it's definitely a big buff. The, the spread decrease on the right click, also a big buff. Um, overall, these are really, really significant buffs to Genji. Um, and I like that they're targeting his default state rather than targeting the blade, which NATO blade actually has never been a bad ability, but, um, the, the problem is really Genji's default state has been so weak that you don't really do anything until you get Nano Blade, and, and then the other team just gets really far ahead while you're in that slow farming state. And unless the Nano Blade is completely crazy, it's just not enough. So, um, so I like these buffs. I, I don't know if Genji will see play. I think it depends a lot. Actually, Brig is is out of the pool, right? That that's actually yeah, she is. Mm-hmm. that's actually unbelievably massive for Genji. So if, if Genji is buffed and also brig is out of the pool i think it's actually very possible that we might might see genji played like brig is really the hero that just destroys genji because not only does rally it's good enough to counter the nano blade like it keeps people alive long enough to stun genji like brig herself can just stun genji and peel him off and then very hard to finish kills on nano blade but um yeah so i think without brig in the pool that hero really punishes genji really makes it hard to get kills and you get buffs to genji it's, I think it's actually very, very possible we could see Genji C play. Um, I do think double shield will probably still be more prevalent um, with like more spam-based DPS, but I, I definitely think teams that like to play dive, um, if the, those Genji buffs go live, I think there's no reason people won't play Genji. All right, well, speaking of the hero pool, uh, we're actually going to get uh, to that next. Uh, we got, again, a ton of questions that we didn't get to, but we're going to go ahead and hold those in the backlog. And uh, the next time we decide to do this segment, you'll have a chance to get some of your questions in there as well. But coming up, we're going to talk about the forthcoming Summer Showdown, the next tournament for the Overwatch League.
Thanks for uh, tuning in to the Owl's Nest. If you haven't already, make sure that you have uh, follow us on social media. That's Checkpoint XP on Twitter and Facebook, and uh, Jake OW on Twitter and Jake underscore OW on Twitch. So news has finally came through that it does look like the tournament format is going to be continuing at least for the next leg of the season with the Summer Showdown. Now, there are a few new rules that are coming into play here. For the most part, a lot of it is pretty similar. We're going to have three weeks of seeding followed by the single elimination tournament. Uh, there's money on the line. There are bonus wins on the line. But the biggest difference, the big change here that we're seeing now is that, first of all, hero pools have been removed from competitive uh, the competitive ladder in the game that most of us play. And as far as the Summer Showdown goes, the first two weeks will feature the same hero pool. The third week in the tournament itself will have no hero pool whatsoever. And uh, we do already know the bands that we have here so far, and that is uh, Brigitta, Diva, Sombra, and... Oh, I am blanking. And Echo. Echo, that's right, and Echo. So, uh, Jake, uh, what do you think of these changes here so far? I think it's kind of funny, honestly, that it ended up being like almost all dive heroes that get cycled. Yes. Uh, oh, I'm so heartbroken. Basically, means like that might be the reason. In response to that other question, like maybe is the reason we won't see too much Genji because mm -hmm. you do want to play, generally speaking, a dive style around Genji to make use of his ability to get dash resets when his team helps him burst down eliminations. So maybe it'll be pretty hard because Diva, pretty great hero for that sort of synergy. You know, Diva Bomb plus Genji Blade, great combo. Um, and yeah, it's pretty hard to die. I mean, you can go Winston Hammond, though, so it's not completely... I don't think it's completely over. Um, Winston Hammond, pretty effective dive comp. Um, or even throwing a hero like Sigma and dive it is actually not too crazy uh, in the current meta. But um, yeah, I think the, these pools are going to be pretty interesting to watch. I think probably Echo is the most important hero to get cycled because that hero is a little crazy. Um, Brig as well. These are like the really high-impact hero pools. Um, in, the, in this current one. No Brig, no Echo. Like, Brig was reaching near perma-pick level of just, like, becoming just such a dominant hero, even in double shield, which theoretically should be a bad comp for Brig. The hero just still got so much value out of armor pack, but mostly off the back of enabling Echo to be incredibly aggressive. Like, Echo doesn't have to have any fear at all because she's 275 with armor on. Like, that's that's a little bit crazy with Echo's mobility, and Brig is just a perfect hero because you don't have to hit shots to heal Echo which is very important because a hero like Ana is going to really struggle to keep Echo up because it just takes all your focus to shoot her. Whereas Brig is just like fire and forget with a pack every five seconds and Echo is immortal. So yeah, I think these these pools are going to be a big change and I think we'll probably see 
Well, I don't know, because I think we'll probably see a lot of double shields, so I don't think this will be too much of a big change, uh, to be honest, as far, as far as what people are actually playing at the highest level. Although without Brig, it'll be a bit more explosive. And, you know, if, you, if you're forced to not run Brig, then running that Hammond Winston actually seems not so crazy to me anymore. So, uh, obviously, I think that, you know, the, these changes with there only being, you know, two weeks of the same hero pool and then two weeks of no hero pools, obviously, I think, aimed at getting the benefit of having the hero pools kind of break up the meta a little bit. But also taking a little bit of pressure off the team so that they don't have to, you know, come up with an entirely new meta or an entirely new plan within two days every single week. So do you think that this is going to strike a good middle ground between those two things? Um, personally, yeah, I think I think it's just like a change had to be made um, as far as player burnout, team burnout. Like the teams were clearly saying like this is too much, like we have to change everything every week. Like that's too crazy. Uh, but at the same time, I think hero pools have been a big positive, at least for something that I care about a lot in Overwatch, which is like, I want to see lots of different comps. I want to see the meta changing constantly. I don't want to see a meta dominate for two months. Like that to me is, I don't, I don't enjoy, like that gets boring to me, it gets stagnant. And, I, and when both teams mirror match, that I think is like the worst variety of Overwatch. I would so much rather see team A think that this is better, team B think that that is better. And, and they kind of struggle to, you know, put their strengths against the other team's weaknesses and vice versa. Um, when everyone's playing the same stuff, it just means the game is all about execution and there's the strategy is like really obvious. Like you just do the same thing as your opponent and you, t you try to do it slightly better. Uh, but as someone who's all about the analysis, like that just offers a lot less fodder for analysis um, than when teams play different strategies and you could think about why one team plays a certain way and the other team tries to respond in their own way. Like that to me is more exciting. So this is a good middle ground. I think the hero pools will still exist at least for the, the playoffs force like an, an interesting meta for the first two weeks but then we'll have a little bit more preparation as far as what the playoff meta will be because that final week of qualifiers you will have like you'll you'll, you'll play the no hero pool you'll, you'll get a little bit of a of a warm-up to what the playoffs are going to look like all right well definitely looking forward to it of course that starts this weekend overwatch is back and we'll see these teams all go head to head and see who comes out on top coming up next we're going to take a look at the two Los Angeles teams, the Valiant and the Gladiators, and see if we can't uh, try and figure out where it is that they might end up uh, uh, at the end of the season and what exactly their chances are of potentially going all the way. That's next. You're doing and listen. Well, we have an unprecedented outbreak. Thousands of us walking the earth. We might die at any moment. Because we're under attack. In which case, we must act fast. Doctors are trying their best. Working long hours and always sacrificing. They're helping to protect you. Well, I'd very much like to thank them. Thanks, Doctor. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you, Doctor. Wait a minute. What's the prognosis? It's still changing. So we have a novel virus and no vaccine at this time. What should we do? We gotta get everybody else back into the houses. We gotta keep them there. In other words, this is our lockdown, right? What that means is stay in your homes. Make no attempt to reach loved ones. And take a long nap. You can count me out. You can count me out, too. Some people are immune to good advice. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Those idiots. I just need to make sure you fully understand. 
Let's recap. I'm begging you. Stay inside. Wash your hands. And make sure you've got 10 feet of personal space around you. Stay away from me. Stay away from me. Uh-uh-uh. I didn't hear you wash your hands. So think on this, lads. When you're home watching TV. Think about the medical stuff. Working for you. So I'm asking you. Stay home. I'm in isolation. Just stop the virus. All right, I'll do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You stay classy, planet Earth. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Owl's Nest. I'm, of course, here with Jake, and we're getting ready to talk about uh, both the Los Angeles teams, something we've done on a sh- every sh- you know shows here and there now that we're more than halfway through the season. We take two teams, we kind of look at where they've been so far and where they could potentially go, and uh, it's the Los Angeles teams, both the Valiant and the Gladiators this time. So I wanted to start with the Los Angeles Valiant, uh, nearly entirely a rookie team that doesn't, at first glance, have the best record, but has actually had quite a few really good matches against some tough opponents throughout the season here. So, Jake, you know, taking into consideration that, again, a lot of these are, you know, newer players to the big stage, and uh, given the performance we've had so far, how far do you expect them to actually go? Uh, Playoffs? Potential finals? I mean, I think I'd be disappointed if this team doesn't make playoffs. I think that is, like, a minimum for them, like a floor for them, because... You know, despite their record not being the best, they have had extremely strong opponents. I think they played Shock a bunch of times. Like, so it's not exactly um, a fair comparison just yet in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they just had they had great games. They they defeated the Paris Eternal, a team I think is quite strong. Uh, you know, and they um, well they went up against the Shock. <laughs> Do too much more than that, unfortunately. But you know, could argue that they're a bit fatigued at that point. They had kind of shown their hand in terms of their grid comps. Like, you know, in a in a full five map series against Paris, they kind of showed everything. You know, there's no real choice when you're going to map five. You have to just pull out all the stops. Um, but um, yeah, I do think this Valiant team, like, really exciting to see how good their performance has been despite being a rookie team. Their improving trend has been strong. Like, all things are, are good for Valiant. Like, they might be disappointed with getting destroyed by the shock there, but um, I think they just need to shake that one off, continue to grind away. And, you know, I don't know if this is going to be like a finals team just yet. I think they are, at least currently, not quite at that level. But I think, like, you know, top eight, totally reasonable to my in, me, to, uh, in my mind. Like, like I think they team, can be better than bad. their. I think they can be better than their record would suggest. I do think, like, with the result against the Shock, that says to me that they're they're not really going to be a contender for, um, you know, finals. But um, but uh, I definitely think they could get very close to that. They could even you know make it to semis, make it to, uh, make it to quarters, make it to semis, very very reasonably and. and I wouldn't be surprised. I love watching this team. They're, they're fun to watch play. Um, they're, they're they're aggressive and, and confident. And I think those are all good signs for them. Like, give it more time for their players to improve, their synergy to improve, their strategy to get better. And, uh, you know, I don't think it's crazy to think that, like, this is a team where I don't really want them making a ton of roster changes in the offseason. Like, I don't feel like they're missing pieces. I don't feel like, I mean, obviously you can always find some things to improve, but I just, I like their team. I like their roster. I think they just need to keep working and, like, they're going to have continuous results from that. I mean, looking at the record so far, they're 6-6. Six and six. Their uh, map win-loss is actually 20 wins, 24 losses. So they're basically right at that 50-50 mark. And, you know, is it possible, as good as they are right now, just as a rookie squad, if they don't make a whole lot of changes, maybe just look at what they can improve, through the offseason and going into the 2021, you know, is it possible that we may be looking at a similar sort of story that the Shock originally were? Because back in the 2018 season, you know, there wasn't a whole lot there for the Shock as well. 
but coming obviously into 2019, uh, you know, being able to, I think, foster that, that growth between those in the team and make just the right changes, they turned into a hell of a powerhouse. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. You know, I think probably everyone would have bet against the Valiant after the changes they made over the course of the last season, like going to this rookie squad. But you got to give a lot of props to the coaching staff as far as developing those rookies and also making the right decisions about who to pick up. Um, you know, I'd say a player like KSP really overlooked, like was playing in the World Cup. Like, no, there wasn't a question of like, oh, you've never heard of this guy. Like people heard of him. They just chose not to pick him up. And, and Valiant, you know, I always thought he was a really good player. I was really surprised, uh, to be honest, when he didn't make the Overwatch League in the second season because I thought he was easily good enough. Um, but like, it's awesome that the Valiant were the ones to see his potential and now they get the reward for that um, in, in him being like one of the bigger stars, I would, I would say, in the league, one of the best rookies this season. All right, and then, of course, on the other side of that, the other L.A. team, which actually on the standings is only just below the Valiant with a 4-5 and five record, is the Los Angeles Gladiators. Uh, they actually did make a lot of changes throughout the off-seasons. One, ones that I personally wasn't, wasn't super happy with. I was a big Gladiators fan myself, a uh, big Surefour fan. Uh, but, uh, Jake, overall, what are your thoughts on where the Gladiators currently are and where they could go? This is a team that I do feel like is a bit underperforming, at least with their record. Like, whereas I feel like Valiant is like overperforming to get that record um and not overperforming but like i think they've surpassed expectations i do think gladiators is just a little bit shy of where they could be um i think they probably feel the same to be honest because you've got a ton of veteran players really strong talent you know across the board like you've got space and og that's a really sick tank duo um like one of the better tank duos in the league at least as far as individual skill though both those players extremely strong players you got Shaz and Big Goose, who are an extremely, not only skilled support duo, but but also very well coordinated. They understand the game really well. So, like, your back line uh, and your front line are, are looking really dominant. And then the DPS players are, like, the biggest shakeup of this team, but they have a ton of, of, of strength here, right? You've got, um, you've got Mirror, you've got Bird Ring, who have been playing insanely well together, right? Like, this team, I do feel, is, um, like, they have everything they need. They have all the pieces, all this veteran talent. Um, I just feel like they've not been able to quite put it together in the same way that, that other teams have, maybe feeling overconfident or something. Like, to me, this this it has to be, in my mind, an internal thing of like getting their strategies right, getting their comfort zone, making sure they're playing to their potential in matches. Um, because there's, in my mind, there's no question. Like, I think of all the players in this team as really strong players. This is a team where I think they should be in that top echelon, mm-hmm. um, especially in North America. But they've been notably below it i would say like they have not they have not really broken into that top level um the way other teams have so for gladiators though they're in actually a similar place i think both these teams are actually really strong they don't need to make big changes um i think valiant where they've been improving on on a good trend gladiators has kind of it's been a little rocky for them so um the, the the this sort of issue i think is the toughest kind to diagnose right if there was like you know, oh, they need to get some more players. They need, oh, they need to get a stronger tank line. Like if it was something like that, that it's a lot easier to talk about how to improve. But um, with all their players being so strong, I think the questions are really difficult to answer. And the reality is that there's no straightforward, simple, just do that and you're fine. Like it just doesn't work that way because I think this team has those pieces. They just need to put them together. So the way that you actually accomplish that uh, is always going to vary from team to team. But I think fans of the Gladiators, like, they shouldn't be too worried. This is a team that I could easily see making a big run in playoffs, like, regardless of if they just scrape into playoffs or if they have a really great season from here on out. I'm not going to count them out in playoffs. Like, I don't, no matter what their results are, I just think the team has so many veteran players who 
are not going to choke in like a high game situation who like are experienced under the under pressure that like the the potential to me is not in doubt so the gladiators i think they have a lot of time to fix those issues whatever they may be uh whether it's like their strategy or their calling or their coordination or, or their match play like all those things are fixable issues and when you have the skill as a fundamental basis which gladiators certainly do then I don't think the fans should be too worried, right? Like, regardless of how things go, I, I just don't think the fans should be worried. This is still a strong team. They're still going to perform well. I, I'm almost certain they're going to make playoffs. Um, but as far as how far they go at, at that point, it's really going to, that's going to be the true test of like, have they been able to resolve those issues over the course of the season? Yeah, well, all right. Uh, so both of these teams, again, having great chances. They may just be under the cusp of the halfway point, but the tournament format, I think, is going to favor teams like that. You know, uh, one or two tournament wins here could easily help propel them further up into the standings, which might not get them to the top, but will definitely get them into playoff contention. That's going to be it for us today, guys, here at the Owl's Nest. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, if you haven't already, to hit that subscribe button so you can come back here every week joining with us on this Overwatch League discussion. Until next time. Make sure you stay on that payload.